In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. friends you having a good day good morning a good weekend a good week it's pretty interesting out there huh things are definitely interesting may you live in interesting times the matrix is everywhere it is all around us even now in this very room you can see it when you look out your window or you turn on your television you can feel it when you go to work when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you're a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch, a prison for your mind. How about that movie, guys? Remember that one? I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen. How about that one? The good old Matrix. It got me thinking. It got me thinking quite a bit. It got me thinking about the whole COVID situation. And I thought, there's a lot of conspiracies going around this whole COVID, this whole Bill Gates, this whole What was that thing they had? It was uh, Event 201. Did you guys hear about that? Event 201? Okay, Event 201 was done a year ago. I think it was September, October of 2018. I'm sorry, maybe 2019. And it was a large number of people from 
big industries, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It was also a lot of people from John Hopkins, the World Bank, a lot of the World Health Organization, a lot of, of world agencies. And what they did at Event 201 was they simulated a pandemic. They simulated the repercussions of shutting down business. They simulated the repercussions of people not working, economies failing. You can go and look it up. It's called Event 201. It's pretty fascinating. It's even more fascinating that in Event 201, they did all these mock press releases to the people. And then during the COVID outbreak, they used almost the exact same press releases. So it begs the question, were people aware of COVID prior to 2020? Does COVID stand for Certificate of Vaccination ID? Some people think so. Some people believe that the COVID outbreak is setting us up for eugenics. You guys know what eugenics is? I've read a little bit about it, and I'm sure most of you do, but let me just kind of go over a little bit of what the eugenics process is and, and how it might be connected to what we got going on here. So eugenics has been around for a long time. 1920s, 1930s. There was a group of, I guess, kind of technocrats. You know, there's... There's always a group of people that are socially engineering the public of their country. There's always a group of intellectuals or leaders that are constantly thinking of ways to make the world a better place and trying to solve issues that affect everyone. You know, if you look at some of what Bill Gates does, right? He is working hard on vaccinations. You look at companies like Monsanto that are working hard on feeding all the people. So the eugenics process, according to these group of intellectuals in the 20s and 30s, and even still today, it tends to bring about a different philosophy. The eugenicists say that there are useless eaters. The eugenicists say that some people are not worth living. It was a very, very big movement around World War II. They believed that people who were mentally disabled people that were unable to 
provide people that were unable to provide the community with something they would be considered useless eaters people who were criminals people who were not fit for society some other races of people I've read a little bit about it however I don't know it entirely but I think it's a pretty good summary I think you can listen to those few categories that I said and you can probably come up with a few more categories of people that the eugenicists didn't want around and when you think about it it could be construed as evil definitely sinister why would one group of people get to choose who should be on the planet and who should not be on the planet it's important to note that there were experimentations done as well There was forced sterilization. There was... Lord knows what kinds of science experiments that took place. And a lot of them were done... In front of a court. Where people went to court and they said... Look, this person is mentally disabled. There's no way that this person should be allowed to have kids. So we need to force sterilize them. It was done on mass in some groups. And most of us, I include myself in this, when you think about eugenics, it just seems so evil to me. Like, I don't think I have the right to decide who should live and who should not. But that's just most of us. I think that's how the majority of people feel. The majority of people feel they want to get up, do what they got to do, be good to their families and their and their wives and their husbands and their kids and be a good person and try to do good in the world. I believe that's how most people are. But we got to remember, there's lots of different people in this world. There's lots of different philosophies in this world. There's lots of different cultures in this world. Are you ready? What if eugenics was explained this way? Hey, man. Do you know any dumb people? Like, is there any dumb people that you just don't get along with? Like, is there dumb people at your work? I mean, like, dumb people that just, like, you talk to them and you're like, this person is a fucking retard. Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? This person? You know, maybe this person is always getting in trouble you know stupid people commit stupid crimes and stupid people get caught stupid people usually take from the system they don't usually give to the system if there were less stupid people the system would have a lot more leeway to take care of the good people Imagine a world in which 
the average IQ, the average intelligence of everybody walking around was 120. Statistics show that people that are usually have an IQ of 120 tend to be better for their community. They tend to give back more. They tend to be positive people to be around. What if we could find a way to make sure that the majority of people on the planet had an IQ of 120? If that was true, then you could make a world without dumb people. You'd have way more resources, way more leisure. You'd live in a more technologically savvy, better world. And you get rid of all the dumb people. Would Would there be an influx in prisons if there wasn't a whole lot of dumb people? Would there be a problem with overpopulation if it wasn't for dumb people? What if you could cut the world's population by half? By half. Now there's a lot of ethical questions in there. A lot of crazy things I just said. And whether or whether or not you or I believe any of what I just said, there are some people that do believe that. And that brings me to this conspiracy topic today of COVID-19 and eugenics. A lot of people are worried about the vaccine coming, saying COVID is... Some people say COVID is a bioweapon. Some people say that the vaccine is going to be the the micro dot or the the chip or the vaccine is going to be the actual virus that gets injected into people and COVID is the excuse. And those might be true. I, I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows. However, what I do know is that The World Health Organization, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, have been working on vaccines in the third world for the last few decades. What I do know is that companies like 23andMe, which are genetic, they catalog your genetic material and they send it to you and they can tell you your family tree, they can tell you the different genetic qualities you have that may or may not make you susceptible to different diseases. It's important to note that different races are affected by different diseases. Is it possible? Is it possible? Is it possible that the vaccination work being done in Africa, in third world countries, by companies like the, the World Health Organization and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is it possible 
that these vaccines may not be exactly what were described to the people in those countries that were taking them? Is it possible that those vaccines may have been some sort of experimentation? When you look at some of the TED Talks done by Bill Gates or other like-minded technocrats, one of the biggest problems is overpopulation. Especially in third world countries. And if you look at or talk to anyone who's been to India, the population there is out of control. Kids, you know, there's abandoned children running around in packs. People got to go to the bathroom. They're just right there in the middle of the street. From where we stand, from where we sit in a rich, developed, first world country. The living standards of people in India are foreign to us. The reason I'm, I'm taking this roundabout curve is I think maybe we've been given a lot of half-truths. I'm beginning to think that maybe COVID is in fact a eugenics process. Right? In, in every lie, there's a little bit of truth. In every lie, there's a little bit of truth. One of the half-truths I think about COVID is people were saying that it came out of a lab in Wuhan and that it was man-made. Well, who is COVID affecting disproportionately? Weaker people. People with underlying conditions. Elderly people. Potentially, potentially not only is it, is it hurting older and people with underlying conditions who have a weakened immune system, but it's also attacking people of color. And who is it that the eugenicists claim they want to, to be rid of? What's well, the useless eaters? It's the people that can't work anymore. It's the people that are have pre-existing conditions the uninsurable look I don't know if this is true or not it just seems to me that there could be something there I think that, that it could in fact be a eugenics process happening now like let's not forget anyone who tells you Bezos or Bill Gates or any of these people sitting at the top of companies are dumb anyone who tells you that they're stupid those people are probably stupid. You don't get to be Bill Gates. You don't get to be Jeff Bezos. You don't get to be the top person in any company by being dumb. You might be careless. You might be an asshole. But you're not dumb. And let's think about the type of person it takes to, to be at the very top. Like, What kind of ego do you have to have to be at the very 
top of the food chain. Like you have to truly understand and believe that you are amongst the smartest person in the world. And if you can believe that, then can't you also believe that you are entitled to make decisions for people below you since you're smarter than them because you know the greater good, because you know what's best for the world? Someone with an ego that will allow them to be in a position of that type of authority has the same type of personality to decide who should live and who shouldn't. That was one avenue of the COVID I was thinking about as far as conspiracies. Another avenue I was thinking is, how is COVID connected to the Jeffrey Epstein scandal? It's a good one. Because I think that Epstein is definitely some sort of intelligence agency ring. Right? Be it the CIA or the Mossad or the the special forces of multiple nations coming together. And we haven't been able to pin anybody down. Like, look at the mysterious circumstances in which Jeffrey Epstein died. Look at the mysterious circumstances in which Ghislaine Maxwell got to live in the States and not be bothered for a couple years and may or may not be in prison now. Who's at the head of that ring? Well, if you listen to Whitney Webb, she'll tell you it's Lex Wessner. And let's think about this guy for a minute. This guy is a fucking gangster. This guy, I I could see. Look, I I don't agree with everything that this guy has done, but I would read that guy's biography. That guy is probably the biggest gangster of our time. Which brings me to the point. What if, what if Lex... Westner or that syndicate what if they had the bioweapon and they said to the government hey you take down my team I'll fucking kill your people all of them I've already I already dropped this this bioweapon and if you try to take me down I will fucking kill your entire population that could be too that could be too why not that guy's a gangster And when you're the head honcho, when you're that big of a gangster, it ain't nothing to kill people. In fact, it could explain why we can't get anybody in the Epstein scandal. Maybe every time we get close, they just drop a little bit more COVID out there. Maybe. It seems plausible. Okay, maybe not plausible. But it's fun to think about. kind of like the conspiracies there. It may or may not be true, but I like them. I like to talk about them. You know, they say that the, the coming... Another half-truth is when we talked about the Bill Gates idea of a vaccination, they're talking about a new kind of vaccination. Like a, it's an RNA 
vaccination. So it's going to change the instructions for your DNA to build stuff. It's going to rewire the code. No one knows what that does. It's weird to think about, right? It's interesting to think about. Let me shift gears, but stay on the same road. Is everyone aware of Plato's cave analogy? I know most of you are. Let me just run through it real fast for those of you who are not. Imagine you and two of your friends being chained to this cave on the inside of this cave and there's a little bit of light that comes in and you can see a little bit into the distance but you can just see the shadows and your whole life you've been chained there you and two of your friends for ever since you were children you were just chained there now you're in like your 30s and one day you Listen to this, you break free of that chain and you make it outside. And you go outside and everything you thought you knew was wrong because you've been chained up in this cave and all you've seen is these shadows. And all of a sudden you see these people walking around and you see all these things and you're like, oh my gosh. Everything I thought I saw was just shadows. Shadows on a wall. So you run back to the cave and you tell your friends, look, I made it out. Everything you think you know is wrong. It's all shadows on the cave. But your friends don't believe you. They're like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. You're like, no, I was just out there, man. But no, no one wants to believe you. And they don't believe you. And then you realize people believe what they want to believe. Even when presented with the truth, it's easier to see the shadows on the cave. The reason I bring up that is I want to connect it with a potential social experiment that's happening to all of us. And that is What we see on social media, what we see in the media, isn't true. It's not true. Some of it may be a little bit true, but to what degree is it true? Facebook has a team called the Trust Engineers. And what the Trust Engineers have done, and it's not just Facebook, it's every social media platform. They've been engaging in small types of psychological experiments, very similar to the Stanley Milgram experiments. For those of you that don't know Stanley Milgram, Stanley Milgram did a set of experiments where he brought in two groups of people and one group was in on it and the other group wasn't. And here's the experiment. He got a group of people together and said, listen, you guys are going to pretend to be the patients and I'm going to bring in another group of people and they're going to pretend to be the person administering the experiment. 
And the experiment was, there was a glass divider, kind of like a a, a COVID shield. And one person, the patient sat on one side and he was hooked up to a small electrode and the non-witting, the non-willing participant sat on the other side and he was to administer the shocks to the knowing person on the other side. And so once they, they, and they set it up real smooth. So they would bring in the, the people together, a team of two. And they would pretend, you know, they would shake hands like they've never met before, even though the experimenter had already decided who's going to be the person who gets shocked and the person who's not going to be shocked. And so the doctor would come in and say, hi, gentlemen, my name is Dr. So-and-so. Have you decided who is going to be the person or would one of you like to volunteer to be the person administering and then the other person would like to be the, the person getting the shock? And every time the, someone had been decided to be the person who was going to receive the shock. Does that make sense? And so the doctor would tell, they would sit down at their fancy little station and the unknowing participant would read off a list of questions. And every time the guy on the other side got the question wrong, he would receive a small shock. The dial... You know, it had a, it was a small dial and it went from one to 10, much like a cooking dial on a stove. However, this dial, when it got to six, it started getting red. When it got to seven, it had like a little dangerous sign. And then when it got to like nine and 10, it's like, never hit this one. You know, it was like all bold right there in red. Do not turn this high. And so the doctor would stand over the guy asking the questions and the questions were real easy at first, you know, like. What's two plus two? And so the guy's like, four, no shock. The next question is like, what is 100 times 100? You know, no problem. And then by the third question, they became increasingly difficult. Like, what is the square root of 17 times 12? That, well, clearly he didn't know the answer, but then he would get a shock. And as the questions got harder, the doctor who stood in a lab coat with a clipboard would tell the person administering the shock, okay, turn it up to six, turn it up to seven, turn it up to eight, turn it up to nine, turn it up to 10. And without fail, without fail, the person administering the shocks would turn up the volume. The guy on the other side would fake like, ah, you know, he, would, he was acting, but he would fake like, ah, no, it hurts, don't do it. No, don't do that. And there was clearly visible stress on the guy administering the shock. But he, he continued to do it. He continued to do it. Most, I guess it wasn't without fail. I think that there was a few people who actually bowed out and said, I'm not going to do this. But for the most part, I think the follow-through rate was something in the 90 percentile. That means 90% of the people that were asked to administer shocks at the level that would be dangerous and potentially hazardous continued to do it. And they did it because someone in a lab coat told them to. Later, when they, they debriefed those people, they're like, why did you shock that person at 10? And they said, the doctor told me to. I was just doing what I was told.
And so the experiments that the social media companies are running right now are similar in that they have decided to take it upon themselves to take a select group of people and just show them negative news or just show them positive news or just show them sad news. You know, they have spread it out into multiple categories and they have decided, okay, in this person's feed, I am only going to show them horrific news and see how that changes their online habits. It's pretty dark. And if that's true, like what kind of information can they glean from that? What can they learn about the mass habits of people by changing the views in which they see? What if they only showed you shadows on the cave? Could they, could they fundamentally change the way you and everyone in your area sees reality? I would argue they can. And if, that, if they can, are they doing it now? Is that what's happening now? Are we seeing shadows on the cave? It's pretty sinister. Well, my friends, I guess in conclusion, to sum it up, I'll leave you with a paragraph or so from Dr. Patrick Wood's book, Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order. The ebb and flow of history is never a straight line. If this book has presented too much of a linear explanation of the way things are, how we arrived at this point, and why then we must temper our understanding with the complexity of human existence. The world has many lines of demarcation that can lead to conflict. Some cultures are radically different and will not mix well. Some political systems are irreconcilable with others. Some economic realities cannot be reconciled. Most importantly, the temperament of man is unpredictable, leading some to be peaceful and some to fight, and yet some to steal and others to kill. All of these forces move forward while colliding, intermixing, and influencing one another, like a mesmerizing swirl of bright paint poured onto the artist's canvas. It may appear as chaos, as Richard Garner suggested with his booming, buzzing reality. This complexity is what makes it impossible to clearly foresee the future in great detail. But at any given moment, we are well suited to identify and examine major trends to see what direction we are headed and what speed and who is trying to steer the ship. Some men have done well at this, like Aldous Huxley in Brave New World or George Orwell in 1984. Huxley painted a scientific dictatorship that relied on pleasure to control the citizenry. Orwell used pain. Were both wrong? No but neither were they 100% right. However, people today can read both books and clearly see that they had a lot of things right. I think he did a pretty good job at summarizing there. Just wanna let you guys know I love you. And because I love you, I'm gonna give you one more quick story here. This is called The Monkey Trap. In some parts of 
Southeast Asia, some parts of Africa, there's a simple trick that's used to catch monkeys. And that trick is to take a coconut on one end. It's chained to a really thick tree trunk. On the other end, there's a small hole that's cut out. The coconut is hollowed out, and inside the coconut, the villagers put like a handful of sticky sweet rice into the coconut, and they leave it. When the monkey comes, or monkeys come, they investigate that coconut. They see the hole, and they reach in their hand. And once their hand is inside the coconut, they grasp the sweet sticky rice. And as they try to pull out, because their fist is clenched, their hand is too big to get out of the hole. The hole is big enough for them to reach their hand in, but when they pull the rice out with a clenched fist, it won't come out. The reason they call that a trap is because the monkey will refuse to let go. He'll keep his fist balled up with the food in his hand, like there's been some sort of mental misfiring and he no longer knows how to open his hand part of the brain that wants the food will not relinquish control it won't let go so the monkey will stay with his fist in the coconut chained to that tree until the villagers wake up and do whatever it is they do the reason i tell you that story is because a lot of us have those mental blocks a lot of us when we grasp something we think we need we refuse to let go Sometimes we just refuse to let go. It may be something we think is important. It may be an issue with someone we love. It may be insignificant, but we can't let go. And when you can't let go, you're trapped. Just like the monkey. So remember that. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, 
Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it. <laughs> 